Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. Grab your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. Numbers 33, welcome to those of you who are here in Auditorium 1. Maybe you're joining us in Auditorium 2, so glad you're here today. Maybe you're joining us online or by way of television or the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, being a part of what God is doing here today. Happy Father's Day, dads. And uh, so be thankful you didn't have to do that video. And uh, no, that was a ton of fun. It was, it was great. We'll actually talk about it a little bit more here in a minute. We have been in the Gospel of Matthew We have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, next week, we will wrap that up and finish up in Matthew chapter 7. I think God wants us somewhere different today. So we're going to take kind of a little departure from the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at Numbers 33 and uh, look at something, uh, kind of a unique passage of Scripture. Several weeks ago, I felt like as I was just reading the Bible for myself, that this passage of Scripture just kind of jumped out at me, was something that I had kind of been ruminating and and resonated inside, and uh, felt like God wanted us to take a look at this today. So let's start. Numbers chapter 33. It's one of those passages that when you get to it, it's easy to just skip right over. Like, it's one of those that you just think, well, that's not important to me. It doesn't matter to us. It was important to them, but I don't get it. I don't know why it's there. But there's something really powerful here. Numbers 33, verse 1. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey. This is their journey by stages. Did you see that word stages multiple times? It's like it's this concept that's there. So what's happening here? Well, at some point... God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to sit down and I want you to make a detailed list. There's actually 40 stops that he lists of what your journey was from when the people of God left Egypt to when they got to where they could see the promised land. So if you're not familiar with this story, we'll unpack it a little bit more. But God's people for centuries were were slaves in the land of Egypt, and then God delivered them. And from the time he delivered them, then they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. When God asked Moses to write this, and get this, he, he commanded Moses to do this. He told Moses, you're, you're gonna do this. At that time, it had been 40 years, they were just about to go into the promised land. So he's making a note of all the stages that they'd been through. When you read it for yourself, it's easy to read and just skip over because it reads like the list of directions you get when you look at your GPS. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you actually click the actual directions, turn right here, turn left there, go straight, don't speed, all those things, right? That's not your GPS talking. That was the Holy Spirit. Don't speed, right? That's what it reads like. It reads like this. Well, they were at this place. And they left that place and camped here. And then after they camped there, they left that place and then went here. And after they were here, they left that place and then went there. Like, it's, it's not exciting reading, <laughs> except every so often it's, it's a little more detail. It's not just place names. It's a little more detail, and with the detail, that's where the story is. And today I want to look at, at some of this 
We're going to look at quite a few of these stories that Moses gives to us here, in part because these stories are important. Some of us might not know them. We have a tendency to know the, the big picture of the Old Testament, if we know the Old Testament at all, and we miss some of the other stories that really help us. The, the New Testament tells us that God gave us the Old Testament and the stories there so that we would have examples, and the reason we have those examples is so we don't make the same mistakes. Anybody else glad to learn from someone else's mistakes? Learn from enough of my own. <laughs> so if you can help me, I'll take it. And that's what we see when we look at the Old Testament. So we're going to learn from their example today. Now, now look, this message is not just for dads. I think it's for all of us. But dads, I really feel like there's some principles here you and I need to make sure that we're paying close attention to. And as you do this, we're going to look at stages of life, the seasons that we go through, the different moments. Remember, in these 50-some verses, Moses is summing up 40 years. They were seasons. They were stages that they went through. Here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll remember some of the stages that you've been through. It's good to look back and remember, isn't it? And some of you need to hear these things today to find strength for the stage that you're in right now. And some of you need to hear these things to find courage for the stage that you have ahead because God can do some beautiful things in stages. Pastor Keith, could you, could you help me out for a minute? Not too long ago, I was having breakfast with a friend, and uh, we were just talking about, you know, man things, like cooking out in your backyard. Anybody like to do that? I'm a much better cook in nature. Anybody else? We were talking about this, and he, he looks at me, and he goes, you got a griddle? I was like, no, I don't. I don't have a griddle. I've, I've got a grill, like where I can, you know, just grill things, grill steaks or grill burgers or chicken or whatever. I've got a grill, but I don't have a griddle. And he says, well, you should get one. And I says, I don't need one. I got a grill. And at this point, my friend got real serious. And he leaned in. And he looked me right in the eye. He's a pretty imposing dude. He looked me right in the eye and he goes, do you even like food? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you need a griddle. So earlier this year at my birthday, my kids all chipped in and they bought me a griddle. And so I have been using this thing and it has changed my life. If you don't have one, it's not only changed my life. After the first time I cooked on it, Rhonda walked outside and said, I do not intend to cook again until November. Right, so so like we, if you were here last week, you know, I talked about making an omelet. Does anybody remember that? Or we call it scrambled eggs. Does anybody remember this? I made scrambled eggs again yesterday and called it an omelet. (laughs) And uh, it's just there's it's just it's just fun. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about when and and I suppose all cooking is like this, but it's just kind of fun. You have to make sure that you do it in the right stages, right? Because we, we made a big breakfast the other day, and when we did, you have to make sure you do the things at the right time. Because the bacon's going to take longer and hotter than the eggs, true? If you put the eggs on at the same time as the bacon, you're going to have raw bacon and crispy eggs. And I didn't want that. So you have to understand that things have to happen in stages. The bacon's going to go on at one point, and you want the veggies to cook up a little bit. And you, you got to make sure you get the hash browns on at the right time, and then you put the eggs on, and you might put some toast on, and you've got these other things going on. Anybody ready for lunch? Right? And it's so important because you got to do it all in all the right stages. Now the reality with stages is we don't always like them in our lives. We like consistency, not change we didn't ask for. 
We like for things to be under our control, not surprises that might come our way. And yet sometimes God does things in stages and the master chef stands at the griddle of your life and says, trust me, this is gonna be delicious. (laughs) And he says to Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down the stages. Don't miss this. When Moses is giving them this information, they're on the edge of the promised land and he already has some people who are saying, I don't know that we need to do this. We don't need to take that step of faith. We don't need to trust God in that big way again. We're kind of happy where we are. What if this or what if that or what if these or what if those? And God says, Moses, show them what I've done. Remind them of the stages that you've been through so that if they'll remember, it will help them in the days ahead. Today, we're we're gonna do a couple of things. One is this. this. This griddle is not my griddle. I have one at home. This is a brand new one that was purchased so that I would have it as a uh, little um, you know, illustration today and thought for Father's Day, it'd kind of be nice to give this thing away, wouldn't it? Anybody? So men, okay, this is for our men. There's a phone number that's gonna come up on the screen there. And if you would, oh, look at you. Look at you. I tell you, grab your Bibles and you're like, okay. <laughs> tell you, you want a free griddle? The guys are like, oh, I got a phone. Yeah, I can do that. Like, we're not trying to get your information here. We're just trying to have some fun, right? So just text the word dad to that number, 567-302-1562. If you're watching online today, you can, you can enter as well. You know we have three services, right? I'm generous, but I'm cheap. So we only have one griddle, Right, so you text in and somebody, just text the word dad to that number and somebody after the end of our services later this afternoon, we're gonna randomly just kind of pick one of these numbers. Don't, don't put anything kind of identifying. We're gonna randomly pick one of these numbers and uh, you, you don't have to be present to win. You can, you can enter online, but you do have to come and pick it up for yourself because we love you, but not enough to take it to your house, amen? Right, so, so that's the way this is gonna work. So that's one thing we're gonna do, right? So. Text dad to that number, and uh, we're going to give that thing away for Father's Day. Here's the other thing we're going to do. We're going we're to run. We're literally going to run through Numbers 33. And as we do, I want to show you eight stages to remember. We're, we're going to look today at eight stages, right? God uses this word stages. You could call it seasons. You, you could call it moments. You could call it memories, you could call it whatever you want, but God uses the word stages, right? We're gonna look at eight stages to remember. Eight stages. Chad, it's Father's Day. Couldn't you have made it two? Why eight? We're gonna be here forever. I wanna win that griddle and go home. Why eight? Because when I looked at it, I felt like the Lord showed us eight. And they're gonna kinda overlap and we're gonna move quickly and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to walk through eight because I'm pretty sure whether you're a dad or not, whether you're in this room or not, there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to show you and some of you are gonna be sitting there and a light bulb's gonna come on and you're gonna go, that's the stage I'm in right now. Thank you, Lord, for how your word helps me. So we're gonna work our way through Numbers 33. We're gonna look at eight stages. Here's the first one, Numbers 33, verse three. This is how Moses starts this record of the different stages. Number, uh, numbers 33, verse three. The Israelites set out from Ramses, so that's the city in Egypt where they were captive, right? They set out from Ramses 
on the 15th day of the first month, the day after the Passover. You ever heard of Passover? And they marched out defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. And that's the, that's the story of how Israel was rescued out of Egypt. And when Moses wrote that story, here's what he wanted them to remember. Number one, remember when God set you free and saved you. Remember when God set you free and saved you. If you don't know the story, Moses was called by God out of a burning bush. You ever heard of the burning bush? And God said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, no longer to be slaves, but to free them. And he goes, it doesn't go the way he would hope it would. God has to send 10 plagues. You can read about this in the book of Exodus. God has to send 10 plagues on the Egyptian people. And at the 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn, firstborn livestock, firstborn children were dying because this angel of death came through and anything that was firstborn, it died. That was the one that got Pharaoh and he said, you, you, you go, get out of here. What's interesting is that the Israelites, their firstborn did not die because God had instructed them to sacrifice and then take the, the blood from that holy sacrifice and put it over their doors so that when this angel of death would go through, the angel of death would, anybody? It would pass over them. That's why we call that Passover. And then after that then, the Israelites were able, what's the word there? They defiantly marched out of Egypt because God had set them free and saved them. And pictured in the Old Testament story of Passover is the New Testament story of what Jesus has done for us. Isn't Jesus our sacrificial lamb? Doesn't he save us and set us free? And here's what I hope you'll see, that Jesus can set you free. This is a reminder for us to come to. If you don't know the forgiveness, if you don't know the grace, if you don't know the power of Jesus Christ at work in your life, you might know about him. Don't miss next week, actually. God's got some things he wants to show us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that I think are really important. But you may know about him, but if you don't know him, you're missing out on the power he has to save you and set you free. Paul says this, Galatians chapter five, verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Did you see what he said there? Jesus can set you free. <laughs> he also says, if you have been set free, don't go back to captivity. If you've been set free, don't go back to captivity. Don't go back to that place. Don't keep running back to your own sin or your own desires or only going to Jesus when you need him. You know we do that sometimes, right? When we want what we want, we, we do what we want. We do what we want on Tuesdays, but we know we'll go back to church on Sunday. Or, or we think this in one way and then we ask him for forgiveness in another way and we don't live in the actual freedom that he's promised us. There's joy and there's peace in that freedom. And instead, we kind of connect to Jesus, then we disconnect. And we connect to Jesus, then we disconnect. And we connect to Jesus, then we disconnect. Does this make sense? And he saved us and set us free. One of the, one of the big homeowner dad lessons I had to learn was the incredible importance of a sump pump. Anybody? Like, we, we learned this a couple of times, like, early on. Like, we had, we had a sump pump go out when we were on vacation, and then we had it happen another time. And I learned like all kinds of things of how important 
that, that thing was because it saved you from disaster that you did not want. Now let's say I've got just this one outlet and I've got a sump pump, but I also want to plug my virtual reality gaming system into that same plug. How's that sound? Because I want one after that video, <laughs> right? And so, and, and so what I do is I look at the weather and I go, well, it's gonna be dry for a few days. So I'm gonna unplug my sump pump so I can plug in my video games. And then when it rains again, I'll just, I'll just switch those out and I get in this habit of sometimes plugging it in and sometimes not, and sometimes plugging it in and sometimes not. Does that sound wise? Because you never know when I'm gonna forget and you never know when the unexpected might happen and you never know when that moment is that you're gonna come downstairs and find out you have an in-ground pool. <laughs> and you have to remember, it's not wise to connect and disconnect from the very thing that can save you. Jesus came to save us. And he's reminding them through this story, and he's reminding us today, stay connected to the only one who can truly set you free. That's at the heart of what he wants us to remember. Dads, nothing affects your present like embracing the freedom that Jesus can bring. And dads, nothing will affect your future and future generations like living in that freedom. Which takes us to the second thing I want you to remember. Look at this, Numbers chapter 33, verse eight. They, they've moved a couple of verses, right? They had a couple of, hey, they were here, then they camped, and they left, and they left, and they camped, and they were here, and they did this. And in verse, verse eight, it says, they left Pi-Hahiroth and passed through the sea into the desert. And when they had traveled for three days in the desert of Atom, they camped at Mara. Did you see what it says there? When they passed through the sea. It doesn't say they went around it. Doesn't say they took a boat. Do you remember the story where they passed through the sea? This was the story where they were, they were coming up on the Red Sea and they got the water in front of them and they got the angry Egyptian army breathing down their neck behind them. And they're like, this is it, we're doomed. God, you failed us. And God says, I haven't even started. And he parted the Red Sea. And the Bible tells us that they went through on dry land and the whole Egyptian army, when they were trying to take the same shortcut, got washed out and were completely destroyed. Why is this stage in here? Look at this, number two. Remember when God delivered you. Remember when God delivered you. Has anybody ever had God deliver them? Has God ever showed up? Has God ever proved himself faithful? Remember what's happening here, because this is really significant. Moses is not just historian. God said, Moses, you do this. Don't ask somebody else to do this. Don't, don't, don't make this a, a project that you just delegate. Moses, you sit and do this. You write it out. Because it's not just Israel's testimony. It's Moses' story of what God has done for him and how God has delivered him. I have a hard time standing here. I know this isn't my griddle, and I know some of you aren't listening because you're praying that it would be your griddle. <laughs> but I, I gotta make this a little personal because I have a hard time standing there and not just trying to own this thing for myself. So I'm gonna get suited up here for just a minute. Here's the, I wear this for two reasons. One, just to kind of keep things clean. Number two, I look really good in this thing. You kind of just, when you get that moment, you stand there. That's your griddle in that moment. 
It's your story. Let's make this personal for a moment. What's the story of when God delivered you? What's, what's the one that you wear, that you own, the one that's yours to tell? Because the Bible says when you know that story, make sure you tell it. Don't keep it to yourself. Look at this, Psalm 102, verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that we should tell the story of what God has done for you. Tell the story, tell it to other generations. Parents, make sure your kids know it and that they hear it. Make sure it's something that they've heard so it gets ingrained in them, that God has been faithful to you and he's delivered you and you know you can trust him in the future because of what he's done in the past. That happens naturally in our families, right? That there are some things that are spoken so often that they just become kind of the, the, the common language, the things that you hear over and over again. They did a survey last, just last month, actually, of about 2,500 people, and one of the questions that they asked of moms are, what are the things that your husband says that annoy you the most? Like, like dad's sayings, you know how some dads have sayings that they just say over and over again? Here's like a list of them. Do I look like a bank? We're not lost, we're taking the scenic route. The most irritating dad joke is when a child says, dad, I'm hungry. And the dad says, hi, hungry, I'm dad. You've heard some of these. If your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? Money doesn't grow on trees. I'm not sleeping, I'm resting my eyes. Do you know which one moms hated? Ask your mother, right? I have a bunch of sayings that run through my head and roll out my tongue, some of which that make absolutely no sense, but they were the things that my dad used to say. And because of that, they, they become shorthand in our family for things that mean something to us. What story do you need to tell? What's the story that you need to tell your friends, that you need to share in your life group, that, that you need to talk to your coworkers about? And moms and dads, that you need to make sure that you pass on to another generation. Or the time when the enemy was breathing down your neck, and God did what only he could do. Of the way that he saved you, of the way that he changed your life, of the time that it looked like it was gonna be a failure, and then God stepped in. Many of you know this, my mom passed away last year, and the number of times just over the last few months that I thought to myself, oh, I, I wish that I had written that down. Like we have some recordings of her telling some stories, those are treasures. Like things that I go, oh, I, I wish I could ask her this question. Like, find ways to pass those stories from generation to generation. It's not just practical, it's biblical. There's something else interesting in that, in that passage that I think applies from generation to generation. Go back to that very same verse, Numbers 33, verse 8. They left Pi-Hiroth and passed through the sea into the desert. We already talked about the deliverance in the desert. And when they had traveled for three days in the desert of Atom, they camped at Mara. Mara's interesting because those three days they were traveling, no water. They couldn't find any water. And they get to Mara and there's water. And like, this is awesome. And then they start drinking the water and the water's bitter. And they start complaining. Parents, have you ever known when your kids just aren't ever happy? And that's what Moses is dealing with. And these people are complaining because the water is bitter and they're not able to drink it. And you know what God did there? 
As God said, and you can read this for yourself in Exodus 15, God says, Moses, see that piece of wood? Trust me, throw that wood into the water. And when he did, the bitter water lost its bitterness and the people had what they needed. And I just think there's something really symbolic in that idea of bitterness and the role that we have to keep others from what is bitter in their lives. And the third thing I'd encourage you, remember when God removed your bitterness. Number three, remember when God removed your bitterness. Remember I said some of you will see yourself in some certain stages. This might be one for some of us. That if things in your life are, are driven by a bitter spirit, by frustration or a bad taste in your mouth, then maybe it's a good time to say, God, will you, will you remove that bitter spirit? God, will you help me not to live with that toxic part? You know, one of the reasons why I enjoy wearing this apron and why I enjoy holding this massive spatula is because I not only feel like a man, I feel like a king. I'm in my royal robes and I have my scepter in my hand. This is my domain. Note to self, don't ever do this right here. Just, just for the record, I just realized that's a bad idea. Don't let me do that at home. But I think we fool ourselves when we think that because dad, as soon as you put this apron on, you're not a king. It's a reminder that you're called to serve. And one of the things that we can do that's so powerful in the lives of our families is to do everything that we can to eliminate and avoid bitterness. I watch it happen over and over again how those bitter things are passed from generation to generation. Let me show you a couple of things just super quick. Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. God says, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. Friends, when we start to turn away from God, when we start to go our own way and to neglect him, in our lives, it starts to, I think just even subconsciously, it builds up this bitterness. Turning away from God leads to bitterness in our lives. And we need to be aware of that. Uh, look at this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Did you see that? The author of Hebrews says that bitterness is going to look for places to grow up in your life to grow up in your church, to grow up in your family, for you to be offended, for others to be offended, for you to allow things to, that, that start really small to grow up and cause trouble and defile other people. And the author of Hebrews says we must be on the lookout for bitterness in our lives and families. We gotta be on the lookout for it. Ron and I were taking a walk the other day and we walked by this house and they had this, really it's a, it's a beautiful driveway. It's not concrete, it's not asphalt, it's all brick. Right, so they've got this brick driveway and it's, it's beautiful the way they have it designed and we stopped and we were looking at it and I stood there and I thought, wow, that was, that was something to put in, like that was a, a work of art to put in and I was like, that's, that's really beautiful, it, it makes the house look really cool, it's beautiful. Rhonda was looking at that and going, she goes, look at all those weeds. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. And she was like, I'd be out here every day <laughs> just pulling those nasty things out because that beautiful driveway 
has so many opportunities for nasty things to grow up. And doesn't your beautiful family have the same? Doesn't our beautiful church, doesn't your beautiful life, there's so many places where because of what people say or what people do, that there's the opportunity. And we have to be vigilant every day and go, that's not growing here, that's not growing here, that's not growing here. And it's something that we have to be wise about even in our own lives. One passage, and then we'll move on. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The message version says it this way. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. And I just wanna encourage you, parents, this is not a guilt trip. And I'm talking about the future. I'm not talking about the past. Do your best to not cause your children to be bitter. Watch that in your life so that through your life, through your practice, through your relationships, do your best to not cause your children to be bitter. I was talking with a friend recently. She's going through a really tough time. And this young lady looked at me and we were talking about just kind of generational things. And she said, you know, for so many people in my generation, what we've inherited from our parents is dysfunction and drama. And she said, not in my house. It's not gonna be like that with us. I hope that'll be our prayer. Which takes us then back to the next one. Numbers 33, verse nine. We're moving on to number four here. We'll get to eight. You with me? All right. Numbers 33, verse nine. They left Mara and went to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees And they camp there. You know these people have been in the desert. You know these folks have been places where there hasn't been water. And then they get to Elam. Did you hear what's there? Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camp there. Anybody want to camp there? That sure beats the desert. That sounds like where I'd go if I was an Israelite snowbird. Anybody else? 12 palm trees? 70 palm trees, actually. 12 springs. And what they had there was this place where God was able to restore and refresh and rejuvenate them. Number four, remember the times when God gave you rest. Remember when God gave you rest, when he restored something to you, when he helped you. This place in Elam in the rainy season, there would be this constant torrent of water that would run down to the Red Sea. The grass would be thick and high. There would be these trees that would grow there. It was a place where you would want to be. And there are seasons when God allows us to be in places of rest. I also think there's seasons where God wants us to come to him and find rest. We are to find places of rest and refreshing. And I don't know where you're at right now, but you might need to hear that. Find places of rest and refreshing. That same survey that they just did about like dad one-liners, about things that dads say, they also did, as a part of that, stereotypes about dads, like things that are just kind of common stereotypes. Let me read you a few of them. Here's one, that dad always knows if someone has touched the thermostat. Anybody? <laughs> right, that's one. Raise your hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that one? Okay, so here's, here's this one. Um, thinks he, uh, don't raise your hand on this one. Thinks he can fix anything when he often can't. Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. Dad's sneaker collection consists of two pairs of the same sneakers, one for mowing the yard and the other for going out. All right, how about this one? You can raise your hands on this one. Uh, How about he hogs the remote control? Anybody? 
Okay, just for the record, that's not hogging, that's leadership. (laughs) Get over yourselves. Okay, here we go. Um, Dad repeats the same stories. Dad refuses to read the instructions. And this this is the number one dad stereotype, that dad naps at inopportune times. I, as I'm getting older, I'm, don't nod your head. I'm getting guilty of that. When, when we were on vacation a couple weeks back, we were, it's a long story, but we were in this park and we were kind of sitting and we had some time to wait and all this kind of stuff. So we were all just kind of sitting around. We were sitting under this bench. Next thing I know, Rhonda was waking me up. <laughs> we have this picture. We were eating lunch in our Airbnb and there was like this bench and I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stretch out here for a minute. And I took a roll of paper towel and used it as a pillow. And I had a beautiful time of rest before the Lord. Right? Spiritually, and often physically, we need to find those things. Where are the places in your life, even if it's just for a few moments, where the Spirit's allowed to bring you a breath of fresh air, where you're finding rest and rejuvenation of 12 springs and 70 palm trees that only the Holy Spirit can bring in certain moments. Look, I know that life gets crazy. Man, I know that for some of you, it's different in different seasons because it's different when there's a pool of family because you're taking care of family members or there's a pool because you're in a busy season as your kids are moving on to to new things in your life or you've got little active kids at home and and you, you can't find a minute to yourself. But I'd encourage you, find ways to build in rhythms and rest stops where God can rejuvenate you and fill up your tank. Like, let's just be practical. For, for some of you, it might be as simple as you, you gotta find a time to take a walk, or maybe it's get a nap. Maybe it's enjoy the quiet, or you listen to a podcast or some music, or you light a candle. You, you do whatever that's gonna help to fill your tank, and do those things and allow God to work in your life in those ways. And never forget that Jesus promised us rest. Look at this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He promises this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm gonna take my royal robes off if that's okay. Look, don't don't wait for Jesus to have to let you get worn out before you come to him. Come to him and ask for rest. Which leads us to the next one, Numbers 33, verse 14. We're, We're moving right along here, right? Verse 14. They left Elush and camped at Rephidim where there was no water for the people to drink. Do you see a theme here? The water symbolizes so much, and here is this place at Rephidim. Moses lists it not just because there was no water, but because it was a place where God brought them water, which is the fifth stage. Remember this. Remember when God provided for you. Remember when God met your needs. We don't have time to read the whole story, but this is a place they get there. There's no water. What do they do? They start to complain. They say, we should have just stayed in Egypt. We shouldn't have come here. Why are we here? Why did you do this to us? And this is where God tells Moses to take his staff and strike the rock. And when he does, water comes out of the rock. Anybody remember that story? And what we see here is this fifth thing, that we remember the times when God provides for us. What's interesting about this story is that the people were ready to give up because they thought that God had not provided. They were ready to quit. They were ready to go back 
They were ready to give up their gains because in that moment, they thought only about their loss. Look, when you are in need, don't give up, look up. Don't quit, cry out to God. And when you're in those moments of need, don't quit and give up. Look up to him instead. When I, when I read this passage of scripture, I made a note that I wanna pull some of our staff together and make a list of the times when God's been faithful to Calvary so that when our kids and grandkids are the ones who are leading this church should the Lord tarry in the future, they'll be able to go back and remember and see the times that God was faithful. Like in 2009, right? So 2009, that's, that's before we ever knew you could move a church into a movie theater. Thought had never crossed our mind. No, no idea. We were actually doing a renovation project in our old building on Glendale. And it was, I mean, now I look back and go, that wasn't even, that was, wasn't that big of a deal. It was actually a pretty small little renovation project. But at that time, it was huge to us. Financially, the whole, we'd not done anything like this. And we were in the middle of it. And long story short, we got to a certain point. There had been some things that happened that we didn't expect. And we were in the middle of the project. And we were also out of money. And I'm like, well, what do we do? Like, and I was, I was carrying this. I was like, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to quit the project. I'm gonna have to get up on Sunday. I'm gonna have to beg for money. We're gonna have to call the bank. We're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to do that. I was just, I remember being stressed out and trying to figure out what we're we gonna do. We don't have the money. How are we gonna do this? This kind of thing. And I think I was out of town and been praying and saying, God, I think we're just gonna have to quit on this thing. I don't know how this is gonna happen. And I, I, I don't remember all this, the, the exact details. I just remember as I was, as I was coming back into town, I got a note that someone who had passed away had left some of their estate to Calvary Church. And the money that they had left to the church, I never would have dreamed that this would have happened, but the money that they had left to the church was almost exactly what we needed to complete the project. And God, in this incredible, surprising way, met our needs at just the right way and at just the right time as we trusted in him. Why do I tell you that story from 2009? Because every time since then that I've wondered and said, God, I wondered if you can provide, <laughs> I've gone back and I remembered that our God is faithful and that our God knows how to give you just what you need at just the time when you need it. And that story is a part of my story and it's a part of our story to be reminded that God knows how to provide. But let's, let's keep running. We gotta keep moving. Numbers 33, verse 37. This is number six. When they left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the border of Edom, then at the Lord's command, Aaron the priest went up Mount Hor where he, where he died. On the first day of the fifth month of the 40th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Did anybody else not see that coming? Like I, I, when I read that, I didn't expect that, that he was gonna die. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. This, this one I didn't see coming when I was reading it. And oftentimes we don't see it coming when it happens in our lives. Here's the sixth thing. Remember God when you experience loss. Remember God when you experience loss. The death of Aaron was a defining transitional moment for the people of Israel. He, he was number two. He was the high priest. He was the spokesman, and now he's gone. And they were feeling that loss in that moment. 
Some of you love Father's Day because you get spoiled. Somebody's gonna win a griddle. And some of you, it's just another Sunday, you really don't care. And some of you go, well, this is one of my least favorite days of the year. Because you're watching online or you're listening to some way or you're sitting in this room and you just go, it just reminds me of things that I've lost. It just reminds me of things that I'll never have again. It just reminds me of the things that are missing. And can I tell you that God is not unaware of that? And God is here to help us in the seasons of our loss. Second Corinthians chapter one says this, verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And if you're walking through a season of loss today, can I encourage you? Look to God, remember his faithfulness, and believe that he's gonna help you, that he's gonna bring that comfort, he's gonna bring that compassion, he's gonna be your father in this season that you're going through. My dad, I've shared before, my dad passed away in 1996. We were just in our kind of first year of uh, pastoral ministry work, church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my dad died. And um, I think one of the ways that I was trying to deal with the loss of what was missing in my life from my dad who, who I loved and who loved me so much was that I was trying to find affirmation from a lot of other people and in a lot of other places. And it's, it's a long story, but I can remember trying to fill this hole on my own of the loss that was in my life. And we had been doing this big project and in the midst of doing this project at the church, like I could, I could tell I was trying to have other people speak into my life. And I can remember I was walking down the hall at the church and it was like the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks. And God reminded me that I'm the only one who can fill the things that you're looking for in your life. That the emptiness, that the loss, the, the way it's filled only begins when you look for affirmation from me. And I don't, I don't know what you're grieving. I don't know what the loss is in your life. But if that's the stage or the season that you're in, before you go looking for things in all these other places, and God will meet your needs, we've already looked at that. But Moses reminds us that even in seasons of loss, we start by looking to and coming to him. Which, which takes us then, we, we gotta keep moving to the seventh one. The Canaanite king of Arad, this is Numbers 33, verse 40, who lived in the Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. Do you see how this one's different? The, the other ones were, they were here, they camped there, then they left. They were here, they camped there, then they left. They were here, they, not this one. This one instead tells a little story. It says, the Canaanite king of Arad they're not even too arid. They're, they're not on that side of the Jordan River yet. They're not in the promised land. He lived in the Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. That meant that there were rumblings, and that meant that they weren't welcome there. That meant there was gonna be trouble. That meant there was gonna be conflict. In fact, we read that he comes out, he attacks and captures some of the Israelites. And Moses wants you to remember this. Number seven, if you're in this stage, remember God when you're afraid, when trouble's coming your way. 
when there's challenges or crisis or health concerns or questions you can't answer or things that you can't do on your own. Remember God when you are afraid. The Bible says this, Psalm 56, verse three. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I love verse three. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Because sometimes life is fearful, and sometimes you don't know what to do, and sometimes the way is dark, and sometimes you're not sure how to respond. Like, those are all true things that happen along the way. In those moments, you need to know that someone is gonna come alongside of you to help you to see, to give you what you need, that you can trust him in those moments. When I'm afraid, when I'm fearful, if you are around my house at all, my kids tease me about this all the time, but just about any time I have to do any kind of project where I'm, where I'm working on something around the house or that kind of thing, I've got all kinds of tools, but my favorite thing is my headlamp. Does anybody else have a headlamp? I've talked about this before. I'd, if I could just wear this all the time, I would. I'd never take it off. I would, I would, just looks dumb. But I would wear this. I would wear this thing all the time. I would wear it nonstop. Here's why. Because there's moments when I can't see. There's moments when I don't know what to do. There's moments when I'm not sure. And when I turn this thing on, everything becomes clear. If you don't have one, stop sinning and stop on your way home and pick one up. I love this thing because of the light that it brings in the darkest moments. And if you have not found that when you have those moments of fear, that you can come to the Lord and the light of the world will shine in the darkness of your life, that he will come and he'll help you in that fear, that when you are afraid, you can trust in him. The Holy Spirit's your headlamp for the soul, and you can trust him in those moments. And I believe in these things so much, we're not only giving away a griddle, we're giving away two headlamps today. So I put that number back up there. Maybe you didn't want a griddle, but you're like, well, pastor says I need one. Pastor's also gonna give you a little gift card so you can do a home improvement project, not in the dark, get your headlamp. So put that number up there. You text it, we're gonna give two of these away. Two things I want you to do. I want you to find that light on your head, but I want you to find the light of God in your heart in those moments when you're fearful because he's gonna help you, which leads us to the last one. Here we go, Numbers 33, verse 50. On the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho. This, this is where I think Moses is writing this, just to be honest. This is the last stop. So get the picture. Jericho's over there. That's the first city they've got to conquer to get to the promised land. Jericho runs in front of them. That's what they got to get over. And so on the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, and then he gives a lot of instruction, but here's what he's saying. You're looking over there and you're seeing where I want you to go and you're seeing where you know you need to be and you're seeing the promised land and you're seeing where I have good things for you and where you're seeing your future. And the eighth thing I want you to remember, and this is a stage some of you are in, number eight, remember God when you look to the future. If right now you're looking at the future and you're looking with uncertainty or you're looking with fear or you've got more questions than you've got answers or you've got more opportunity than you've got resource and you're saying, God, I don't, I don't know what's over there. 
Remember the God who's with you when you look to the future. You know, Moses didn't take the the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua did. Moses passed away and Joshua stepped into that leadership role and the Bible tells us this, Joshua chapter one, verse nine. God says, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why did we hit so much stuff today? Because you're probably in one of those stages. And if you are, I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. And in that stage, he can set you free. And in that stage, he can deliver you. And in that stage, he can help you move past that bitterness and he can provide for you and he can give you rest and he can help you in your loss and he can help to meet your need. He can help you when you're fearful if you'll trust in him. So I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment in this room, watching on a screen somewhere. We're gonna sing a song in just a moment about God's power at work in our lives. But before we do, I wanna hone in specifically on that last one. Some of you feel like you're standing on the edge of what's next and you don't have answers. You don't know what to do about your finances and you feel alone and you're not sure how to move forward. You're, You're asking questions about retirement or you're asking questions about college. You're trying to make decisions about your family and maybe you're trying to make decisions about faith. You've got things that you see out ahead Right now, from where you are, you know you don't want to do it on your own. And you would say, God, I need your help for the things that are ahead. If you can relate to that today, can I ask you just just to stand right where you are? I want to pray for you today. If that's you, might not be many of you, but I know there's some of you. You're saying, God, I need your help for the things that are ahead. I, I need it when I'm looking to the future. Would you just stand right where you are in this room? Auditorium 2, you're watching on a screen somewhere. Just respond and say, God, for the things that are ahead, I'm looking to the future. God, I need you. Anybody else? I think uh, spiritual reality in our lives often requires a physical response. Anybody else? You're standing, you're saying, God, for the things that are ahead. Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, I pray for my friends that are in this stage maybe more questions than answers, more opportunity than resource. Lord, would you help them as they stand and trust in you? Would you lead us each step of the way? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're faithful in every stage. We trust you in this today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, can we all stand together here and in auditorium too? We're gonna sing a very simple song about how great God is. And as we do, will you trust him as we look to him today? Holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord Almighty, seated on the throne, seated on the throne of glory. It's See you.
specific prayer if you if you're a if you're a dad here in the building or watching listening somewhere would you just put your hands out in a posture to receive anybody's welcome to do it i, I just want to pray specifically for our dads right now guys i don't know if in my life there's ever been a time when your leadership when your heart for god when your example of a godly man has ever been more needed. And there's a, there's a weight of responsibility and some of you are dads who have kids who have kids of their own who have kids. And some of you may even be in a season where you're saying, well, I'm kind of hoping to be a dad. With hands open to receive, can we ask the Lord for his help today? Lord, thanks for this reminder from your word that in every stage you're with us. Lord, may we live in your freedom and deliverance. May we not let the bitterness of the world take root in our lives. And Lord, when there is fear or when there is need or when there's loss, I pray for the dads represented here today that first and foremost, they would turn and look to you. Jesus, we wouldn't plug in and unplug and plug in and unplug, but instead we would stay connected to you and that we would know your strength. Lord, would you bless marriages, restore ones that are struggling here today. For single dads, we pray for a special grace for them in this season. Lord, would you help us as we trust in you to know your blessing and your strength and to lead our homes in the way that you've called and chosen us to, to be strong and courageous as we trust in you. Lord, we thank you for your word to your church today. May we live it out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Happy Father's Day. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.